Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast. I'm DJ Short and with me here once again is Scott Pianowski from Yahoo. We're live on Twitch this afternoon, so welcome to those of you watching over there. And for those of you listening in podcast form or watching watching later on YouTube, we're recording on Monday afternoon. We figured, what, six weeks into the season at this point, Scott, a good time to talk about some buy low Players. I think everyone's always on the lookout for these kind of players. You can look in the box score, you can look at the back of the baseball card and expect certain things, and you're not getting it early in the season. Uh, maybe you can go out and, and grab some of these early underperformers. Uh, so we'll get into that in a minute. We'll also talk about uh, some weekend fab, any interesting ads in our leagues. Uh, how's it going, Scott? Good, good. Uh, standing starting to have more merit. Second yeah. week in May. Um, playing a lot of golf. Um, this was a, fa- a fun fab week. Every- fab weeks are different. Some weeks you, you don't get in the mix a lot. I ended up getting with a lot of new players. So I have a lot to talk about when we get to the fab segment, but you know, with, with Yuri Perez coming up and I know he didn't go five innings, but I mean, his swing and miss stuff was great in that debut yes. and uh, he's got another start coming up soon. So I'm looking forward to that. It's some um, teams are, we're seeing call-ups. We're seeing teams uh, make changes. There's been some closer turnover, which there always is. Um, you know, it's easy to write off two or three weeks, whatever. It's not a big deal. It's early. It's May, you know, second week of May, middle of May. It's not early anymore. It's time to do yeah. something. And I think baseball reflects that. I think it's certainly fantasy, fantasy managers are feeling the same way. As a Mets fan, it was nice to see a more Scherzer-like start from Max Scherzer on Sunday against the Nationals. Granted, the Nationals are not the most uh, intimidating offense in the world, but they've they've performed better than I think a lot of people have expected. Uh, the velocity was up a little bit from Scherzer, which really should be expected because he's barely pitched over the past month. So plenty of time to recuperate from whatever is ailing him, whether it's the shoulder, the back, the neck, whatever it is. But either way, he looked a lot more like himself. So uh, you know, putting the fantasy perspective aside, it's great fantasy-wise, but also just for the Mets to have Verlander and Scherzer one, two, going out there every fifth day and doing what they're supposed to do, I think is going to make a big difference for the Mets moving forward. By the way, so you mentioned you yeah. mentioned Washington. You know, not not an intimidating drive. Yeah, I, I know we talked about him last week, so there's, there's no need to go into a long thing about this. But Lane Thomas is their leadoff hitter. He's hitting 271 with yeah. some power, some speed. He's still rostered in just 21 percent of Yahoo leagues. I realize in some of the more shallow formats, maybe he doesn't hold value. But my thought when you were talking about Scherzer, I thought, oh, I wonder where Lane Thomas is at. I thought maybe he'll be 35 or 40 percent rostered, which would seem about right. You know, closing in on that 50 percent threshold. 
21% is light. He's been, his OPS plus, I want to say, is like in the 110 to 112 range since he joined the Nationals. He's a good, he's not a great player. He's a good player. I think he might hit lead off the rest of the season. So get, get in on Lane Thomas if you can. Yeah, I think there's some nice undervalued pieces in that lineup. And uh, I was impressed by Luis Garcia, the young second baseman that they have. Alex Call is respectable, plays good defense. Dom Smith playing every day. Not as much power as you'd like, but they have some players there. Uh, C.J. Abrams has swung the bat well the past few days. Yeah, Joy, so. Joy Manessis has been okay, too. Not great, but, but solid, playable, certainly rosterable. Yeah, so they have they you know even on these losing teams, there's opportunity for value. So we're going to get into these uh, buy low targets. Each of us have come up with a couple, a few names. Uh, before we do, remember download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in your app store today. So I'm going to kick things off here. I'm actually going to talk about a Met shock. Uh, I'm going to go with Starling Marte. And he's had a really weird start to the season. Does have 10 stolen bases. So that's propping up his value until this point. But he's hitting 235 with a 288 slugging percentage. 23 games since his last extra base hit. All of his last 18 hits are singles. Very strange. Now, I think the thing to look at here with Starling Marte, he suffered a neck strain on April 9th, so about five weeks ago at this point. It's almost certainly a factor here. Uh, I think being able to drive the ball, uh, being able to, to uh, manipulate your body at the plate you need to to, to put uh, a lot of power into the ball, I think that has a lot to do with it, trying to play through that on a daily basis. You know, traveling across the country, all the things players have to do uh, throughout the course of the season. I think that adds context to the situation here. The positives here, contact rate with Marte, as good as it's ever been. He's not someone who strikes out a lot. He's not striking out more than he usually has. His expected batting average is 24 points higher than his actual batting average. His expected slugging percentage is 405, 118 points higher than his actual slugging percentage. Sprint speed is oddly low, but like I said, not stopping him from stealing bases. He has been dropped in the order recently, but he's actually been swinging the bat better. And even his outs this weekend, he's hit hard. So I think maybe he's coming around. Marte got off to a slow start last year as well, and then started to, to perk up and be one of the Mets' best players. So I have, uh, I'm very optimistic that Marte is going to end up being the player that he usually is. Yeah, I like that call. You mentioned the lineup change. He batted second almost the entire season. Then the last week moved down to the number six slot. We certainly want him batting second for mm-hmm. better uh, volume and better opportunities to produce runs to be surrounded by the he- better hitters. The big thing for me with Marte entering the season was that you know it's an age 34 season, and you just wonder how much longer is he going to be interested in stealing bases. The most encouraging trend to him that I can see is he's got 10 steals and he's attempted 13 stolen bases. So yeah. even at his age, he's still interested in running the yeah. Mets offense. It's a good chance to buy low on a lot of guys. It's been an underperforming totally. offense. Yeah. And I'd like to get in before that swells up. The thing with Marte is that if you trade for him and he eventually bumps up to the top of the order, whether it's on performance, maybe something happens to Brandon, Brandon Nimmo, which we know he, a lot of times he can be an injury prone guy. 
you're immediately going to feel better about Marte than the day you traded for him. I think it's a good time to get in on him. I'm going to open up my list. I'm going to, full disclosure, I roster all of these players on at least one of my teams. So I'm not just looking to buy low on them, but I'm looking for them to start playing better because I, I want my teams to do better. So yep. if you want to say I'm wish casting a little bit, I'm, I'm probably guilty of that, but I have a case for all these guys. And the first guy I'm going to mention is Alex Bregman, who got off to a really poor start last year. He was coming off surgery. And then he was last maybe 80, 90 games. He was the Alex Bregman we thought. I, I thought he deserved to be a top 50 pick this year, even though he went a little bit later than that. So the slash, it's ugly. 204, 320, 322, I get it. But the Savant data suggests his batting average should be 46 points higher. His slugging mm-hmm. percent should be about 100 points higher. He's still got elite walk strikeout numbers. He's yeah. really good with the walks. And you ask, well, what else could go right here? Well, Jose Altuve is currently on a rehab assignment. He's probably going to join the Astros this week. And you just put Altuve at the top of that lineup, and it just everything looks a little bit better. Yeah. Obviously, the, the guys behind Bregman can hit. Uh, Alvarez has been fine all year. Tucker maybe been a little bit of a disappointment, but I would. And there's another guy. I don't think people yeah. in your league are probably trying to get rid of Kyle Tucker, but if no. if you can get him at any perceived discount, I still think he's a top. I I thought about Tucker too as one of my yeah. mentions, but I'm just assuming it's going to be hard to pry him away. Right. I you know on this show we while we want to have wide appeal and range, we we want to go in with the assumption that you're smart and the people in your league are smart. Yeah. I, I, when people say, oh, you know, get get somebody to treat Luis Arias like he's going to hit 400, nobody thinks that, right? I mean, you can't execute that in any kind of a competitive league. And if you can't execute it in your league, you don't need our help anyway. You're just going to get the entry yeah. fees up front. Break, I still think at the end of the year, let's put it this way, from this point forward, I would still project Alex Bregman to go like 275, 345, 470, something like that with – you know, the rest of the year, maybe 15 home runs, decent run production, something that would project to like 90 runs and 90 RBIs in a full season. I still think he's like a top 75 fantasy player. He hasn't played like it uh, thus far, but I think it's a good time to get in on him. Yeah, it's amazing that someone could strike out less than 10% of the time and be hitting 204. I mean, I, it just sounds impossible to me. Mm-hmm. Two, 206 batting average on balls in play for Alex Bregman. That's the last. It just will not. And I think this Astros lineup is only going to get better, like you said, with Jose Altuve coming back. I think it's a good opportunity to buy low on multiple players in this lineup, as, you know, if you can, for that matter. Uh, up next, for me... Before is- you go into your next one, let me just say one other thing about Bregman. Yeah. And this will tie into some of my other guys. The idea is, well, can you buy low on him? He's hitting 204. That There is somebody in one of your leagues who has Alex Bregman is looking at 204 and driving them crazy. That is something, and this is going to be a consistent thread. If the back of the baseball card has something that scares your opponent, you can take advantage of that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And especially it's gotten to the point, and I'm sure this has happened in a few leagues, where you're maybe benching Alex Bregman right now. If you feel like you have a hotter hitter, you pick someone up off waivers, it's almost certainly happening right now. So look for that uh, manager in your league. And try to pry him away. I think I think there's a decent chance you could pull it off. Let me let me say one other thing, and then I'll, I'll give you back the floor. So, how do you buy low on anybody, right? What I want you to do is I don't want you to go to the Alex Bregman manager or the Starling Marte manager. And say, oh, I want Starling Marte. He's he's saying, so what do you want for him? Go. Let's say Marte, for example. Go to that manager. Maybe the guy in your league with Marte has a bunch of outfielders. Say to him, hey, uh, you got some interesting outfielders. I could use an outfielder. You know, how would you rank your outfielders? I, I, this is one question I love to ask to kick off trade 
discussions. How would you rank your outfielders? Because you don't, if they give you a set of rankings that you can exploit, you can take advantage of, use them. If they give you a set of rankings you don't disagree with, don't agree with, and you can disagree with them, you can negotiate off that, but let them try to show some of their hand and asking for a ranking is it's non-threatening. You're not putting them in any kind of vulnerable position. You're just trying to get some information out of them. Don't try to mention the player you want. I, I always think let the player come to, okay, you want to trade for Bregman. Say, I need some help at corner. And maybe the guy's thinking, oh, yeah, I've been looking to get rid of Alex Bregman. I'll, I'll pawn him off on DJ or Scott, whatever. Let him come up with Bregman. Don't don't name the guy you want. Let the other player name the guy that you're actually trying to get. Right, because as soon as you say it, then it's pretty obvious what's going on. Right, for sure. Especially with a buy-low type of player. So, mm-hmm. uh, And again, we're anticipating that all, all of our listeners and viewers are very, very intelligent because they're watching and listening to this show. So, for sure. Of course. Uh, so next up for me is someone who we had high expectations for coming into the year and is actually delivered from accounting stat perspective, but otherwise kind of ugly and looks like a step back, and that's Bobby Witt Jr. So going into play on Monday, Bobby Witt Jr. is hitting 233 with a 271 on base percentage. Like I said, those counting stats are there. Seven home runs, 18 RBIs, 12 stolen bases, 26 runs scored over 41 games, gets the volume at the top of the Royals lineup. But you, from the outside looking in, you could look at him and say, man, like, He's taking a step back. 39 strikeouts against a nine walks. Last year, he had 135 strikeouts against 30 walks. So the flawed approach. But with Bobby Wood Jr., the expected batting average so far is actually 260. Expected slug, 491. And then you see he's hitting the ball harder than he did last year. In fact, 91st percentile in barrel percentage. So you're seeing a player making a lot harder contact, has a lower batting average than he had last year, but that's just a surface stat. Really, what he's done to this point is equal, if not better, than what he did last year in terms of quality of contact, and he's still the fastest player in all of baseball. So the steals will prop you up no matter what, Uh, and I expect him to steal a lot more bases going forward, assuming he gets on base more. He's actually a player that I put some – Money down on to lead the majors in stolen bases this year. I'm not sure if it's going to happen, but 12 is a pretty decent starting point here. Uh, so I, I would go for Wit. He has the multi-position eligibility. I think there's a chance you could prime away, especially with uh, from a manager who maybe has a lot of speed. Maybe you could prime away there. Yeah, I like it. I feel like 233, 271, 442 is about the lowest. That's the worst that he's going to do if he's healthy. Yeah. And I love sometimes stolen bases, the best place to get steals are from a team that's not contending, that just kind of has a DGAF YOLO approach on the bases. And I feel like the Royals are one of those teams. In fact, it feels like whenever Witt steals a base, they come in pairs. He's like uh, multiple games this year where he's stolen more than one base. And yeah. even with that ugly average in OVP, the seven home runs, the 12 stolen bases, that still probably makes him like a top 50 fantasy hitter. I thought it was misguided when he percolated into the first round of some leagues because that priced in improvement, but I get it. I understand it. Obviously he's a pedigree guy. His father was a major league baseball player. He had a long career as a starting pitcher. Ironically, his father walked the ballpark. The big thing with Bobby Witt senior, he had unbelievable stuff, but he walked a lot of guys. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I guess that walk gene hasn't passed over to his son, but (laughs) Bobby Witt junior still just in his age 23 season. And it's a case of why might you be able to get low by low on him? Because maybe the other manager, 
paid a first round pick or paid an early second round pick. He thought he was getting a different player, maybe a little bit frustrated. I, I feel like with the rest of the way, prob- probably going to hit 260, 265. You mentioned he's got that elite speed. Any Anytime he puts the ball in play, any ground ball the infield, he has a chance to beat out if they don't field it cleanly and zip it to first base because this guy can fly. The home runs are still – he's still on pace to hit about 28 home runs. So I think it's probably – you're seeing the low end of his range right now. I think it's hard to lose on a trade with Bobby Witt unless he gets hurt. I, I think it's a good time to get in on him. Earlier I talked about Bregman walking a lot. The expected stats are in his corner. That's a story with Josh Bell walk rate of 15%, which is just crazy high. He's average, according to the StatCast data, should be 37 points higher. He should be slugging about 70 points higher. Not elite numbers. Josh Bell is never going to be like a major thumper, but I think the rest of the way, there's no reason why he can't hit for a plus average and and maybe hit 15 home runs or something like that. The Guardians' offense has not been very fun. Maybe there's been an adjustment period for Bell heading to the American League. He's been traded a couple of times. Bottom line is his – Approach to the plate is so good, and the expected stats say that he's got a slash line right now that doesn't reflect the hitter he is. Yeah. And I know he's available in some leagues because I'm in a mixed league. I think it's like a 13 or 14 team mixer. He was dropped. I yep. said, okay, I'm going to spend some fab on him or some waiver priority. I forget what I had to give up, and of course I had to cut somebody. I cut Jesse Winker, who I apologize to anybody who took my Winker advice because he's done nothing. and He hasn't been really healthy, but that's kind of the Jesse Winker story it seems like most seasons – so I was happy to cut Winker for Josh Bell. I, I feel like there's a lot of upside here. Again, now the only thing, one caveat I will mention is sometimes when you see guys with really good plate discipline, but they're not hitting as well, you wonder, are they taking too many good pitches, right? Maybe they should right. be a little bit more aggressive early in the play in the count. I think that could be part of Bell's problem at times, but still he's yeah. a better hitter than what he's shown so far. I think the Guardians, I know they're kind of swimming against the current in today's day and age where they're trying to put the ball in play, they're not really a thumping team. And mm-hmm. some people roll their eyes at that thinking maybe they made the playoffs last year in spite of themselves. I get that. I totally understand, but I still think Josh Bell, the rest of the year hits for a good average, hits a few home runs and nobody with a walk rate that high should be hitting for this low an average. Yeah. I wasn't banking on, you know, was it 2019 with the pirates, 37 home runs, 116 RBIs. He's not that player, but I was thinking he could, hit 20 plus home runs. I thought he would drive in a ton of runs uh, with the table setters in front of him in that Cleveland lineup. I still think that has a a chance of happening. Maybe not 20 home runs at this point, but uh, 15 homers and a a good amount of counting stats too with his ability to get on base. I think this is a good time to get in on the ground floor with a Guardians lineup that I don't think is going to be great, but I think they could be better than what they've been. Andres Jimenez, Ahmed Rosario is always a slow starter. So I, I think there's there's pieces here for the Guardians to get better for sure. One quick reminder here before we move on. Sunday morning means MLB Sunday leadoff. Watch exclusive live games all season long on Peacock this week. Check out the Yankees. Take on the upset-minded Reds in Cincinnati. Catch the action live this Sunday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern time. Love that graphic. Very pretty. Yankees Reds. That should be a really fun game. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? 
also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Next up, for me, I'm going to go with Joe Musgrove. Now, if you remember, Musgrove fractured his big left toe in late February. He dropped a kettle kettlebell on his foot during a workout. He was actually on track to make it back sooner than originally expected. Uh, suffered a minor shoulder injury trying to make a play on his rehab assignment. Didn't end up making his season debut until April 22nd. And so far, it hasn't been great. 6.63 ERA through four starts, has uh, pitched back-to-back starts against the Dodgers. His most recent one, four runs allowed with four walks in five and two-thirds innings. This was uh, this past Saturday. So 19 walks, eight strike, eight walks, or 19 strikeouts, eight walks in 19 innings so far. The control has been off his last two outings. But you look at the expected ERA, 3.93. Uh, current ERA, like I said, 6.63. So huge, huge disparity and something closer to what you would usually expect, Musgrove is actually throwing harder this year than he did last year. Again, small sample, back-to-back starts against the same team. That's always a tough thing for a pitcher to do. The Dodgers know him very very well. I think as we get more of a sample here, we will see the Joe Musgrove that we expect. So if you, someone who waited on Musgrove and is frustrated by this first string of starts, I think it's time to maybe ask around. I like it. I remember who he was for the Padres the two prior seasons, ERA of 3.06, a whip of 1.08. Those those are outstanding numbers, more than a strikeout per inning, good control. San Diego is still a pitcher favoring park. So his slow start is to be expected because he had to ramp everything down when he got hurt in spring training, but it wasn't an arm-related injury. And as you mentioned, one thing you always look at when a pitcher's struggling, like, well, where's the velocity? Has there been a velocity dip? No. He's actually throwing harder. So we you would think, we don't know for sure, but you would think that would illustrate that he's healthy right now. So, yeah, I think Musgrove, it's a good time to get in on him. Let's give give you another picture to, to look at. A lot, thing we talk about a lot with ERA and WHIP is when they tell different stories, trust the WHIP. And that's what Logan Gilbert's doing right now. He's got 3.91 ERA, which is a little bit troublesome, but his WHIP is 1.02. Those two numbers don't match. His expected ERA is 2.94. So, I feel like the 1.02, maybe it's a little bit over his skis, but I think the rest of the year, Logan Gilbert has an ERA in the low threes, has a whip maybe around yeah. 1.7, 1.8, 110, whatever like that. Very playable. And his strikeout rate is up and his walk rate is down. Yep. So, so many things are moving in the right direction. I think the only thing that's wrong is the whip. So, I don't know. Your opponent who has Gilbert is going to value him. It's not like he's – some of these other guys, maybe there'd be motivation to make a trade. I don't think you're going to find a manager who's like, ah, yeah, Gilbert's killing me because he'll see he's doing a lot of good things. The strikeout numbers are good. The whip is good. I just think there's a chance you may find a manager who doesn't maybe value Gilbert as high as he should. I still still think he's a top 25, top 30 starter, and I would be happy to pay that price and and feel like I can make a profit on it the rest of the season. 
Yeah, I mean, it's nice when all of the advanced metrics align. So the XERA with Gilbert, 265. The FIP fielding independent pitching, 2.67. The XFIP, 2.98. So just in every possible area, you're seeing that the results aren't quite matching up to the peripherals. Um, that's usually just, you know, these are all just little pieces of information that show you that he's pitched better than the results indicate. Doesn't predict the future, but it certainly points in a promising direction. Agree. Go get him. Yep. So I, I want to mention one more pitcher, and this is someone mm-hmm. I was high on coming into draft season. Uh, Jamison Tyone uh, recently missed some time due to injury, and the results so far have not been great. Six four one ERA uh, through five starts this season, but you look at the peripherals here: twenty five strikeouts, six walks in nineteen and two thirds innings. He's throwing just as hard as he did last year. Uh, picked up, started throwing his cutter more this season. So he's experimenting with his pitch mix, trying to figure out what's working for him. We know the Cubs uh, did try to evolve the pitch mix to get more swings in this. It's happening so far, but it's still kind of a work in progress for him. And again, this is only five starts. Uh, I have big expectations uh, for Tyone this season. I think we're going to see much brighter days ahead for him. And I do think. There's a very good chance you could get him for next to nothing. He's also been dropped in some leagues. So I think this is a time to get in on Tyone as well. I like it. And uh, I'll mention there's been a new adoption in my household. Dog named Jimmy. He was already named Jimmy uh, at the adoption event. I was just getting some pet food, saw him, fell in love with him. I thought, well, I don't have the heart to change Jimmy's name, but I, I kind of want to change it anyway. So I'm actually, his official name is Jameson, not after oh, nice. Tyone. But uh, wow. yeah. so if you hear some barking <laughs> in the background, it could be Abby, our girl dog. It could be Jameson, our boy dog. They're uh, getting acclimated. I, I've always been a Tyone guy. I, I liked him in Pittsburgh. And then he became one of those guys like, oh, yeah, get him out of Pittsburgh. Let's see how his career spikes. It's been a matter of staying healthy. Actually, a lot of guys in this Cub staff who are interesting to me right now, but I think Tyon is a guy to go get in on. We mentioned earlier what makes somebody motivated to make a trade or what could make one of your opponents nervous. I'm sure if they look at Kyle Schwarber's stats, and we know when you draft Kyle Schwarber, you're not getting batting average. You have to find a fix for that somewhere else. And I'll admit, I thought he would get maybe a bump up with the new shifting rules. That certainly hasn't happened, but 178 is not what Kyle Schwarber you, you should expect. His career average is 230. And going forward, I looked under under the hood for some interesting illumination stats on Schwarber. I don't really see anything that different than the guy he usually is. I would think the rest of the year he hits I – mean, maybe he won't hit 230. That's his career average. That's a good place to put the over-under. Maybe he hits 220. Maybe he hits 218. He's not going to hit 178. The power is still fine. He's got nine home runs. His counting stats aren't bad. And now they have Bryce Harper back. This offense is going to, I think, be on the upswing going forward. Because somebody in your league is looking at that 178, and how do you hit 178? You have a lot of over fours and over fives in there. Somebody, wait till Schwarber has like maybe a, a three-day series where he doesn't get any hits or something. Or, or maybe even now, just that 178 may motivate a trade. Again, say you're looking for an outfielder. Say you're looking for power. Let them come to Schwarber. I know some of you can get this guy far under his market value. What's weird with Schwarber, he's he's been all over the lineup this season for the Phillies. So I think that's part of it, too. Last year, he was just right at the top. This year so far, second, third, first, fifth. I think finding that consistent lineup spot will probably help him. And I think another weird thing with Schwarber, he stole 10 bases last year. Mm-hmm. So far this year, he has none. And you'd think in a year where teams are running more and more that 
you know, maybe he would do that. We'll see if he finds his way back to the top of the lineup, maybe he'll feel like that's more of like his job to do. Uh, but I think just the Phillies getting Bryce Harper back takes the pressure off a little bit. Uh, maybe Schwarber has been pressing, feeling like he has to do everything. Of course, they also lost Reese Hoskins. So he was, you know, sort of the de facto big bat in that lineup. We'll see if he relaxes there, you know, the Philly stadium, as it warms up in the summer, we're going to see a lot more of those balls go over the fence. Uh, so I think it's a good time to target Schwarber as well. Very good call on that. So let's get into weekend fab and some interesting pickups. You mentioned Yuri Perez. And after the recent prospect pitcher call-ups, I think the market has been set, especially in leagues where you there's a $1,000 budget. You're going to pay 300 at least to get a top prospect pitcher. That's what I saw in uh, Tout Wars mixed draft this past weekend. Uh, Perez went for 310. And in my TF, TGFBI league, uh, he went for 327. So I'm wondering where he went in your league. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to Ron Chandler, who was my proxy manager at the Tout Wars mixed auction. And he went off the ranks I gave him and the plan I gave him and assembled a team that very much was in line with players I liked. There was one player he got me who I didn't have a green or a blue next to like as a target in the reserve draft. He took Yuri Perez and that was all wrong. And my team right now could really use just a a push a little, a little step on the the gas with pitching. And I'm hoping Perez can provide it. He certainly looks the part. I mean, he's Mm -hmm. a six foot eight. I think he is. He only, only went four and two-thirds, I want to say, in his opening start. But if you're on Twitter, people are just sharing GIFs and, and videos oh, yes. of Perez because he's got that. He's got nasty stuff. He's going to strike people out. I'm not worried about mm-hmm. that. Now, the question, of course, is how many innings will he throw? He's only 20 years old. So you would think the team would probably have a pretty low ceiling on that. Yeah. In labor, he was available, and you only have a $100 fab, and there's no zero pickup. So you got to be careful with this fab. And I'm like, well – I don't want to blow all my fab on Perez, but I want to make a competitive bid. I bid $17 and that was enough to win, which nice. surprised me a little bit. But you yeah. know what? A lot of times when you win a bid, you can easily second guess yourself like, oh, it, maybe the rest of the room is right and I'm wrong. In this case, I'm like, thank you. I need Perez. Let's get him out there. Can't wait to see. I think he gets Washington this week too, which which makes nice. me excited. But um, yeah, Perez in some of my other leagues was yeah was going around that $300 range, you know, 30% of fab. He's that type of guy because he – people see somebody who could be a Comet and just, again, I think you're getting like 100, 110, 120 innings, something like that, but I think they're going to be really good innings. Yeah, and Gavin Williams is, I think, the next prospect pitcher to watch with the Guardians. We talked about him in the waiver wire episode last week, so just set your expectations when Williams gets the call, assuming he's not already rostered somewhere. That's basically what you're going to have to, to pay to win these fighters, so pay attention to sort of this formula and what we've seen over the past couple of weeks, so if you really need pitching, uh, that's what that's what it's going to cost you. So it's a lot, but the upside is incredibly high. So some other interesting names in my leagues. Uh, Christopher Morell was a hot pickup uh, this past week. Um, of course, Nico Horner landed on the injured list. I don't think he's going to be gone for very long, uh, but Morell can play second base. He can play third base, outfield. He can play all over the place. I think even when Horner comes back, that Morrell will have a place in this lineup. He's been he was straight up mashing in AAA even more than Matt Mervis. Yeah, I, I like Morrell, and, and he's gotten off uh, to a really good start with the Cubs. Yeah. He's already hit three home runs. And the thing, 
you know, how real was that power in AAA? Because last year, you know, he had 16 home runs, like 433. That's good. He's a little bit on the shorter side, 5'11", 145, according to his baseball reference page. It's not somebody you think of as a slugger, but maybe he's reinvented himself as that. And Morrell could play three or four different positions. So he's – so many different players could either get hurt or slump or Morrell's in the lineup, or maybe he's even a super utility guy when everybody is healthy. I think I want to – I want to say I bid maybe eighty six or eighty eight dollars in my TGFBI and won by two dollars. Then very satisfying to win a bid where somebody bids in the neighborhood of you. As it turns out, my TGFBI offense is fantastic anyway. What I really need is a pitching influx, so maybe I can use Morel at pitcher. But I don't know if that's going to work out. But I did get Morel there, and also another guy we've been chasing. Maybe this is a fool's errand, but we've been chasing saves with this team all year, and we've been wondering: is it Fulmer? Is it Boxberger? Is it Alzoi? Well, Mark Leiter Jr. was the guy getting the handshake last week. And then there was a game where he came in with a four-run lead and the Cubs had extended the lead in the ninth inning. So I wonder if he was in – I didn't. I wasn't watching the game. Something you I pay attention. Okay. Yeah. I suspect Leiter was probably in line to get the save, and then they just yes. took away the save opportunity. He still pitched the ninth inning. To me, I, I give credit to that. To me, that means they're yeah. ready to push the button anyway. So yeah. – if he gets two, you know, you know how saves are. The baton is the thing. Possession of the job is the thing. If if he gets the next save or two for Chicago, maybe they say, okay, we found our guy, and he ends up you know, rolling to fifteen or twenty saves. I think that's in the range of outcomes. He was not bid on as aggressively as I thought. Not that I thought people would be blowing their fab for him, but I thought people mm-hmm. would go after him a little bit more aggressively than they did this weekend. Yeah, that's a good call. I I actually think Boxberger, you know, he could be on the fringe of being DFA'd. Very soon. I DFA'd him. I DFA'd him in a couple of weeks. I did yeah, too. His numbers are terrible. <laughs> yeah, they're not good at all. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's just gone altogether very soon. So I think it's a smart idea to look to some other names in this bullpen. AJ Puck is dealing with dead arm right now. So that's something mm-hmm. to keep an eye on. Waskar Brazuban with the Marlins has been outstanding this season. One nine three ERA, 28 strikeouts, 7 walks in 23 and a third innings. He is tied for the lead and holds on the Marlins right now. So if you want to grab a, a reliever in case, you know, we'll see what happens there with Puck. I think he's a decent name to speculate on. I, I added him to my TGFBI roster this weekend for, for not very much. Um, James Paxton, what did you think of his first start back? That was pretty shocking. Yeah, I, I can admit, I, Paxton's a guy I, I just – I think he's one of those guys that cheese has gone bad, and it's going to take a lot for me to believe in Paxton again. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, you, by the way, you mentioned the Miami situation. Also, keep an eye on Dylan Flora, who's only rostered yeah. 24% of Yahoo. He's got four walks, 18 strikeouts. I want to say he did get a save this weekend. So he's also uh, a hat that could be in that ring. I don't, I don't know what it is, DJ. I don't trust anybody in the Boston pitching staff. I think they're a really fun offense, and mm-hmm. there isn't, a, I guess, Kenley Jansen, you would roster for the saves and, yeah, I thought it was really bogus how Wilson Contreras kind of gamed him into a walk on that Saturday yeah. appearance, and Jansen blew the save. That that's the rule. The new rules going too far. I think they need to clear some of that out. Where it looked like Contreras was ready for play, but he wasn't. And Jansen was ready to throw, and uh, I, that's not satisfying. I don't think it's going to happen a lot. I think they'll kind of iron it out, and the players will adjust. But be that as it may, I I can't roster anybody in this pitching staff other than Jansen. Understandable. So uh, a name that I got for really cheap in uh, Top Wars Mixed Draft this weekend is Brandon Melt. I mean, have you looked at his numbers this month? He's hitting 407 with a homer, four doubles, 
1167 OPS. I mean, you can't really count on him to stay healthy, but if you need a quarter infielder in a deeper mixed league, I think Brandon Belt is a great target and a good lineup right now. Yeah, I didn't realize he had kind of turned it around. I know he didn't hit a thing in yep. March, maybe. You know, again, not just the league adjustment, but you know, he's living in Canada now. And so that's a that can be an adjustment for a player too. We we look at things off the field that maybe can affect somebody's focus or their comfort level. And any way into that Toronto lineup is interesting to me. The player I, I ended up with in a few teams, and I don't know if anything is gonna come of this. And I I guess nobody really wanted Mickey Moniac but me. But the, the Angels called him up. First game, he gets three hits. He hits a home run. He steals two bases. Second game, he gets a hit. He scores a run. He, he bad lead off both games. We know the Angels lineup maybe isn't the deepest in the league, but if you're hitting first. You're in front of Trout. You're in front of Otani. That's where you want to be. I don't know. Maybe maybe this guy, Moniak had good AAA numbers. He had a, a pedigree and first-round pick, I want to say. Number so one maybe, overall to the Phillies. Oh, was he the number one? Okay, I knew he went he early won. in that draft. I didn't. I didn't realize he was the number one overall pick. I, I love. I will talk myself into anybody who the prospect hounds were all hot over four or five years ago, two years ago, whatever it is. I love a post type story. And, and look, they don't always work out. I'm kind of waiting for Nick Senzel to pop. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago. I'm sticking with him. They do get the Reds get a Colorado series this week, so I'm hoping maybe Senzel takes advantage of that. But. I don't know. Moniak, Moniak, I added him in a few leagues. It wasn't that expensive. I'll see where it goes. He's on a short leash. He'll be like the first guy I cut if I need some reinforcements. But I think this next week will tell us a lot about what his story is going to be. I feel like at this time next week, we'll either be like, oh, yeah, he's kind of carved out a role. He's, he started all week. He, he kept that leadoff spot. Or, okay, he went for three for 18. He didn't play on Sunday. Maybe. And, I, and look, is it kind of silly that the team will evaluate him on a really short sample? I get it. Yes, it kind of is. But that's what we have to do. We have to play off a, a short sample sometime. The bottom line is past pedigree is here. He's shown he's already shown the ability to hit home runs. He's shown the ability to steal bases. And I think he's going to hit lead off for an offense, at least the top half of it makes me interested. Speaking of post-type and the Angels, do you ever think Joe Adele gets it together? He's still just 24. The only thing with Adele is that the only things I like about him is, is past pedigree. And his age, right? He's still just 24. That's what you have to mention with Adele because everything he's done on the field has been so dispiriting. But I don't know. Maybe he just needs to change the scenery. And maybe he'll be a guy yeah. who'll get traded to the Padres or the Yankees and all of a sudden he'll figure it out. Yeah, I, th- I think I saw a story last week where the Angels internally are afraid to trade Joe Adele because yeah, they think he be. could flourish elsewhere. In, in AAA, granted, it's the, it's the Pacific Coast League, but 13 homers and a 10-17 OPS across 37 games. It's just an interesting contrast with Moniak is up and Nadal is mashing in AAA and he, he can't get a shot. Um, one other name I picked up this weekend, just seeing where this leads is Hunter Harvey with the Nationals. He's been lights out this year, 196 ERA, 0.93 whip, 20 strikeouts in 18 and a third innings. I mean, we'll see what happens with that Nationals bullpen if they trade off any useful pieces there. Maybe Harvey stays and ends up in the closer role. We'll see. But I'm, I'm on a team where I could use all the help I can get in the late innings, speculating on some of these relievers. I think Harvey's a pretty good one to speculate on in, in deeper formats. Yeah, I like it. One, one of the relievers I picked up in that similar vein is Chris Stratton of the Cardinals. Three walks, 23 strikeouts, always chasing that walk strikeout rate. I, I don't know that he's necessarily going to get saves because they have other options. Hensley and Gallegos, we got a couple saves this week. But – 
I, I still think the card, maybe the Cardinals got their act together and, in Fenway Park and the Red Sox. And yeah. man, it'd be fun to see Nolan Arenado play there all the time. He hit a home run in all three games of the series. But I still think since yeah. uh, St. Louis is an 83-85 win team, something like that, impressed with what Stratton has done. Let me close with this. A player I didn't know what to do. I think I got one share of him. But I, in one league, I forgot he was available. I don't know what to make of Dominic Fletcher, who's come up to Arizona and just – he's a powder keg, man. Five foot six, 185. And he 429, 455, 691 through 13 games. He's hit a couple of home runs. He's driven in 13. Obviously, nobody's this good. But, and I realize he was old for the AAA uh, level at Reno and you know, Pacific Coast League, whatever that means, or 323, 417, 559. If he was 21 or 22 years old, we'd all be jumping up and down. He's mm-hmm. 25. We kind of eye roll it. But uh, he always hit in the minors. He's going to, I, I get to figure Arizona gives him a spot, sees where it goes. Matt McLean is another interesting one with the Reds, and that kind of snuck under the wire depending on what type of leagues you're in, how late in the evening uh, your fab was. But McLean's numbers in AAA have been outstanding this year. 12 homers, 10 stolen bases through 38 games, hitting 348 for the 474 on base percentage. He's getting the call up by the Reds today. If you got in there... <laughs> You might have snuck up on a lot of people and got them for next to nothing. To next to nothing, I saw that happen in a couple of my leagues as well. Right, uh, they, we know they have a, a hole at shortstop, and we're waiting for Ellie Dela Cruz at some point. It's going to come up, but I mean they're sure. not going to push him at his age. So, um, you know, McLean's bat has certainly. And again, you mentioned the cadence of it, right? I, I wish I had seen that news earlier. I would have grabbed him in a couple of leagues, but um, yeah. um, let's see what he does. I think he's a chance to hit the ground running. Yeah, for sure. So uh, that'll wrap it up today. Uh, Hopefully you got some good pickups in your leagues as well. And if not, we'll be back for Waiver Wire Wednesday coming up later this week. Remember to subscribe to Circling the Bases wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review if you like what you're hearing. Also, follow us on Twitter if you don't already. Scott is at Scott underscore Pianowski on Twitter. I'm at DJ Short. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next time. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.